Welcome back, guys, to the Dropout Diaries. Um, today we have Ezie McBegger. So she's a basketball player. She plays in the WNBA. She's playing in Europe right now as well. And she's also been an Olympian as well. So it's really, really great to have you on, Ezie. And I guess the first thing I think I should do is just let you kind of give a bit of an introductory about, like, who you are, your background, where you're from, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm always really bad at these introductions, but um, like you said, I'm Ezzy. Um, so I'm a professional basketball player from Australia. Um, I was actually born in New Zealand. Um, parents are from Nigeria, so I'm Nigerian um, as well. Um, but yeah, I, you know, obviously I've been playing basketball professionally for the last five, six years. Um, so kind of been everywhere. I started playing um, in Melbourne first in the WNBL and then got drafted to Seattle um, so I've been there for the last three years, and this is actually my first year in Europe. So playing for Chopron Basketball Club in Hungary, um, in the EuroLeague and the Hungarian League. And, yeah, I guess that's a little bit of a background. Lovely stuff. And then I suppose with that, when did you first get into basketball? Like, when did you pick it up in the beginning? Um, I think I was about seven or eight. So I have three siblings, so an older brother and sister and a younger brother. And my older bro- brother and sister, sorry, actually started playing um, domestic at Coburg Basketball Stadium and I think I say this all the time but like any younger sibling you kind of just want to copy and you know follow what mm. your older siblings do and that's exactly what I did so I started playing in a mixed team with my older brother who's only a year older than me um, and then yeah I stuck with it ever since I you know played other sports um, in school um, but basketball was kind of the only sport I played um, you know seriously outside of school and yeah I just stuck with it and here I am. Yeah, I guess one story I think I heard my, my uncle say. So my uncle's obviously from Australia and you know their family very, very well. So that's how me and Ezzy met. I think he always says a story when he got kind of got you guys like basketball shoes or something of when he first got started and when yeah. he first came over. Tell us a bit more about that because I actually don't remember most, much, much of it. Yeah, so it was actually my sister. So, um, so she was the first one to start playing. So she started playing through our singing coach, her singing coach, sorry, Venice, who mm. owned the domestic basketball club and um she you know asked Ello my older sister to play and we had I think we had just I don't know how many months it had been but we'd recently moved to Australia and obviously trying to you know find our feet as a family and everything and um you know your uncle um Uncle Ade obviously wanted really wanted Ello to play and you know have the opportunity to play basketball so he was actually the first one to you know buy her her first pair of basketball shoes and I think Obviously, you know, he's done so much more for us, but I think that's something that we remember, um, you know, as a family. Obviously, he wanted Ello to um, not have any disadvantages as a kid, and that's mm. kind of how she got into basketball. And if she didn't get into basketball, I probably wouldn't have either. So, yeah, that's kind of a little story. Yeah. Yeah, it's like cool to see, like, the, the butterfly effect on that in terms of, you know, if if he didn't do that and you mentioned if he didn't, your sister wouldn't have got in and then, you probably wouldn't be playing basketball today. It's cool to see how like that, like one decision has gone on and on and on. And now you're playing in Europe while playing in the WNBA. I'm wondering what was, what was it like when you were playing in Australia and you had a couple of scouts coming through looking to even have the potential to come into the WNBA? Um, yeah, I think being from Australia or playing in Australia, you kind of, um, you know, see the WNBA or see overseas leagues as kind of, um, unattainable at times, but I think playing for Australia at a junior level definitely helped me. So I was representing Australia under 17s and under 19s. So that's kind of where I got the international exposure. Um, 
So I think without that, I definitely wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have been scouted by, um, you know, America or the teams in the WNBA. And I was actually drafted um, in 2019 by the Seattle Storm. So that's kind of where, um, you know, I was recognized by the WNBA, recognized by overseas leagues. And that's kind of where I started my first international competition, um, you know, outside of playing for Australia. Awesome. And I guess just to double back on like, you know, getting you started into basketball, like how were your, you know, were your parents like supportive of you at the very, very start in terms of like balancing with education and basketball? Because, you know, from like a Nigerian background, whoever's listening knows that education is very, very important. And I think anyone who's watched, is it Rise, the Yanis um, documentary? Oh, uh, um, yeah. Where like, you know, his parents came over to Italy and like, you know, it was kind of hard for him. Like his parents really wanted him to focus on education and not basketball. Did you have any of that or was it kind of like straight from the start? You were just, they were just really you know, supportive of it. Honestly, I feel like I'm really lucky in that they were very supportive from the beginning and from the start. And I think they knew how much we enjoyed basketball outside of school. So it wasn't, it was never a matter of, you know, it's either basketball or school. Um, obviously school is very important. So we were always, you know, told that and always, um, you know, made sure that we were on top of our schoolwork, but um, like it wasn't seen as a distraction or anything. And mm. I think the only, the one time that mum probably didn't want me to play was when I was like, uh, I think I was like under 12s, under 14s. And I was terrible. Like I was very bad at basketball. <laughs> um, and, you know, as a parent, you're sitting with the other parents on the sidelines and hearing what the other parents are saying. And obviously, you know, parents have a lot to say about kids. So I think, mum was hearing what some of the parents were saying about me like as a player and I was just a little kid like having fun and she indirectly kind of said like um after one game she was like you know are you sure you want to play basketball like kind of trying to be like, <laughs> like are you sure you want to play you don't want to um you know play the piano or something and I'm like why would I want to play the piano like I <laughs> and she didn't actually tell me until like a while later mm. um why she had said that because obviously the parents were saying things and she just hated them, like me being criticized. Um, right. But other than that, like they were very supportive. They would drive us around Victoria, like on a Friday night, there was all four of us siblings playing. So definitely got help from some of um, our teammates, parents, which we were very, very grateful for, but yeah, they've been very supportive from day one. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Like to see um, how like, even like the transition that come up from, you know, grinding through those years where, you know, you mentioned that you weren't as good as, you know, the other people in your peer group. And can you tell us more about like, I suppose that stage of not being good. And then of course you've, ex you've exceeded all expectations in terms of, I presume everyone else on the team. And I think that'd be cool to hear a bit more about. Yeah. I think the thing with me is that coaches always kind of saw that potential. Um, so I was definitely, um, you know, just kind of lanky and uncoordinated. And um, I think I played at Coburg Basketball Club. So that wasn't, I guess, um, how do I put this? It wasn't a club that like a lot of people went to, to get kind of recognized for state teams, for national teams. So mm. I think in that sense, I was a little bit behind in terms of like development. Um, mm. So I think, you know, coaches kind of just took a chance on me and I made my first state team um, as a top ager for the under 16s team. And that's where there were scouts for the Australian Institute of Sport. And at the Australian Institute of Sport, the AIS was where I kind of, you know, started my development and, um, you know, made a lot of progress because I was kind of just thrown in the deep end. I was 
um, one of the youngest there, I was training, you know, practicing against people four or five years older than me. And I think that's kind of what it took for me to, you know, progress um, as a basketball player, as a person. I think, you know, living away from home, you kind of are forced into, um, forced to become independent. And I think that's what I, you know, kind of had to do at a young age. And um, yeah, so I think, sorry, just the AIS was probably the best thing for my development. Yeah. And I guess in terms of like, obviously like being a high performance athlete at that age, like keeping motivated was one thing, you know, you had that goal that you thought was unattainable. Like how did you say that you kept yourself like on track the whole time, even when maybe you thought, Oh, I can't actually make it like that. I think a lot of people become athletes they get to an age and they kind of sometimes they have the talent, but they just don't have that mindset. What, what did you use to kind of work on your mindset? Um, I think, well, at the AIS, I was surrounded by people in the same position as me. So mm -hmm. we were all, you know, practicing every day. We were all going to school. Um, we're all living in the same environment. So I think that definitely helped to kind of keep each other on track, but mm -hmm. I think too, like school, like a lot of people would ask, like, was it hard to balance school and basketball? But I think that actually helped because, you know, there was a balance between the two that you weren't just, you know, focusing just on school and you weren't focusing just on basketball. So I think um, kind of just focusing on, um, you know, studies as well as basketball and hanging out with friends because you're with them all day, every day. I think just having that balance helps kind of keep that um you know, mindset straightforward and we all wanted the same goal. So I think just surrounding yourself with people who are um, trying to achieve the same thing helps you a lot. Um, looking back now, it definitely helps. And I think that, yeah, it was definitely something that contributed. Yeah. Cause you touched on two things that we're going to dive into. Cause I know Warren wants to dive into something there about surrounding yourself with the right people, but you also touched about balance as well, which is really interesting because like, you know, nowadays everybody's really into the hustle culture, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, nine to nine, that's how, that's what it takes to be successful. Like you don't have to rest. You need to like really push yourself to the point, but you talked about balancing it with even studies and, and friends and just actually having a good time. Is that something that you thought was important in terms of having balance as well? Yeah. At the time it was definitely important for me. I actually listened to one of my friends did a podcast the other day, actually. And she was saying mm. how, you know, everyone is, um, you know, into that hustle culture and, I think it's important to note that, you know, that may, might work for some people, but it doesn't work for others. So, mm. you know, if the hustle co culture works for you, then great. Um, I know that's something that, you know, doesn't work for me. I need definitely need to have a balance um, of life, of um, hobbies, of something, because, mm. you know, I, I know myself and I know that's not going to work for me. So um, balance to me is important. Um, just having kind of an outlet outside of basketball because, you know, it has been my life for the last however many years. So yeah, yeah. I know if I don't, you know, find an escape, if I don't find the right people around me, then, um, you know, being consumed by basketball all the time isn't a it's good a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I think we can, we can agree. And listen, yeah. like people listening pretty can intense, be like, like... Um, this is like an Olympian, this is a WNBA player, and she's saying like balance is important. You know, it's not all the time about just like hustle, hustle, yeah. hustle. Like we're in Spain here, we work hard during the week, but you know, weekend, they're playing volleyball yesterday, just meet a good few people. We say Saturday, Sundays, we're going to chill out, relax. And I think because hustle's culture actually scares people off. Yeah. Like, you want yeah. to be successful because they're like, 
I don't think I can do. Yeah, they can't do the, like the full time. Like they, I suppose they don't phase into it either. Yeah, they just like dive right in, and then you know I'm after doing twelve hours one day, but then they crash and can't do it for the next three days in a row. <laughs> yeah. So like it's cool to see like even at your level, you're saying you have to have that, that right balance and like surrounding yourself with the right people. Because obviously you mentioned that you had done under 17s and under 19s with the Australian national team as well. So I presume that was pretty intense, and you had to balance it between you know all the trainings, games. And then having time for friends as well, so it's cool to see how like you balance the two of them. Do you feel like at those stage, at those stages between you know transitioning from under seventeen to under nineteen to going towards the WNBA, did you have to make a lot of sacrifices in that regards in terms of you know peers around? Did you think that you know surrounding yourself with th- those type of people that you know you know want to play basketball, want to you know have a good time on the side? Do you feel like that was a good factor in avoiding and I suppose having sacrifice, I suppose making sacrifices towards success. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so from year seven to nine, I went to, um, I guess, a normal school. So it wasn't like a sports school or anything. So I think moving to Canberra and moving to the AAS, um, I wasn't able to, you know, go to parties or birthdays back with my friends um, back in Melbourne. Um, so I think at the time it was kind of hard to adjust to. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss out on so many things. And then, you know, in year 12, when everyone was turning 18, having 18th birthdays and missing out on that. Um, but I think I got to a point where I was just like, you know, I kind of have a choice in this and I've chosen um, to kind of live this lifestyle and I know basketball is when I, what I want to do. And, you know, like I said, it helped having the people um, around me with the same goals and same ambitions. So, you know, we all missed out on things like that, but we kind of just made do with what we had. And when we did have a day off, we would make the most of that and kind of just create our own fun. And I actually think now as a professional, like it is a lot easier, especially in season. Like you have a schedule, you know, your days off, you know, how much recovery you need. Like if you feel like doing something one day or, um, you know, not on another day, I think that kind of helps have balance too. Like we had, we had a game last night and have all of today off. So you kind of can just work out your day off. If you want to do nothing all day, like that's what you're going to do. If you want to hang out with a teammate, you can do that. But as adults and, you know, as professionals, we kind of just do our own thing and no one's going to judge you for that. So you can kind of treat um, those days off as you will. Um, mm. I guess with the schedule, you are going to miss out on a few things, like as you get older, weddings, birthday parties, um, family time. I think that's a big thing. But when you can make it up, it's important. So when I do get those moments at home, um, whether it's days or weeks, I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we talked about as well on the on the, on the Dropout Diaries is that like on your way to success, one of the biggest things if you can learn to yourself is knowing when to say no. Because for you, you know, you were obviously like, you know, people can see where you're going. So like, I think, you know, you can completely understand, okay, yeah, she's got a game. But for somebody just trying to get into either it's entrepreneurship or even wanting to be successful as an athlete, it's kind of down to you. So there's yeah. no one really telling you to say yes or no to things. And I think it's cool to see that that's one of the big things that you also believe in is like sometimes you have to miss things out to be able to stick to your goal. And you mentioned about like setting goals and like setting ambitions. So that follows on to my next question, which is like, you know, you said earlier you thought, you know, being in Australia is kind of kind of unattainable to make it to the WNBA. I think it's the same mindset maybe around in Ireland as well. So when did you set your goal of, okay, I want to make it to the WNBA and I'm going to do it. And how did you stick to that goal and believe in it? Um, so I think I was about 16 or 17. Um, 
where I had written down like my big basketball goals and that was um, to be drafted. So play in the WNBA, um, play um, for Australia and the Olympics and to play in Europe. So I knew those were my three major goals. Um, and I think it was, it wasn't until honestly the night before, honestly the day of where I um, actually believed that, you know, I had a chance to be drafted because like I said, being from Australia kind of far away, I wasn't there on draft night. Like I wasn't kind of around it or anything. And I didn't actually get my first phone call from a WNBA team until the night before. So I, you know, obviously didn't think it was um, possible until the very last minute. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think definitely like being able to reflect on those goals now, it definitely was something that I was proud of because, you know, I was drafted into the WNBA. I played for Australia at the Olympics and now I'm playing my first year in Europe. So I think, um, just writing, sorry, writing down those big goals, um, was something that, you know, may not have been a big deal in the moment or yeah. may have just been something that, Oh, you know, like if I get, if I, um, I may, if I'm able to achieve these and great, but when you actually sit down and reflect on them and kind of, you know, realize the work it took to get to those moments, it's pretty special, I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool to see because, like, obviously another thing that we preach on the podcast um, is in terms of, like, goal setting and, like, nearly having – people nearly put, like, a ceiling on their own goals. But, like, the fact that you said, no, I want to go to the WNBA, you wrote down that you want to go to Europe, you want to get drafted, you want to, I suppose, get out of Australia – I suppose in that regard, like in, in terms of the way we talk about it is if you set a goal and you feel like that's unattainable, then in your mind, like you're nearly saying to yourself that you're not going to be able to get there. But if, I think it's cool to see that like you even like manifested towards writing everything down, putting down, the, you know, the big goals at the time. But now here we are, we're talking to a two-time champion and an <laughs> Olympic medalist. So it's cool to see how like manifestation, like I suppose, played a part in that. Do you think that was a big part in terms of your transition and, and, and I suppose inevitably believing that you will make the NBA? Or WNBA, um, I think so, yeah. I think I definitely am someone that, you know, has struggled with, um, you know, self-belief and confidence. So I think just kind of writing those down um, and kind of having, like I said, the importance of having the right people around you is, is super important. So I think just a combination of those two things um, definitely helped kind of just help me kind of stay on path and know that, okay, I've done one thing. Um, I know that this could lead to another thing that this could lead to another thing. Um, I think Europe was probably the most attainable um, goal because I knew like it's what I wanted to do. It was kind of all about timing though. So I know I definitely put it off for a few years because I wanted to stay home and play in Melbourne and, um, you know, play in front of my family and friends. Um, but last WNBL season, we won the championship. And I think it was at that point where I'm like, okay, like, I've done what I wanted to do. Um, it's kind of time for the next step. So I think all the goals kind of helped, you know, each, they were kind of like related to each other. So they all like led to one, led to another. So mm. that didn't make sense. But yeah. <laughs> I guess like in terms of like your, your motivation for all of this, like I guess you, you talked there that you struggle with self-belief a little bit, you know, like from anyone looking at the outside, that's the thing. They think that anyone with a success, successful doesn't. And they think like it's, it's weird that they do. Like when you were struggling with self-belief, what was it that motivated you to not give up? Like you obviously had something that was too strong for you to say, okay, I'm not going to give up. What was that? Um, I think for a long time it's been um, 
you know, family, friends, coaches, teammates kind of, you know, pushing me and, um, you know, seeing that potential, seeing um, the skill set, the, you know, the game I have and kind of telling me and I'm reminding me of that. But I think it definitely comes to a point where, you know, you can't only rely on external uh, factors to kind of drive you. You have to rely on yourself internally. So um, I think just knowing, you know, I've been playing for so-and-so years, like you've been doing this every day as you like, come on, this is your job. You know what you're doing. I think that's kind of the mindset that I have now, like um, especially in Europe, you know, it's a different competition, different league. It's a lot um, more physical. The players are, you know, so experienced over here. So I think just having that belief in yourself and knowing that, you know, you can play basketball too. Um, one of my teammates would always say that, like, you know, you play basketball too. Um, so I think just knowing that has definitely helped me um, go from league to league. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. I suppose even you mentioned how, like, the competition level is completely different from going over to Europe. And one thing that, like, even myself and Josh are, like, curious to know is, like, the transition over from, you know, the Australian League to the WNBA, what were like your biggest shocks in terms of, you know, the difference in competition, the difference in level? Was there any like pivotal moment where you're like, okay, this is like a big step up? Uh, yeah, I think just definitely the one-on-one game, like in America, um, obviously in Australia, I think it's a lot, um, the offenses are more like team-based. You kind of like run through like one, three to five, um, but in America, like, you, you need to know how to guard, like, one, three to five. Otherwise, you're going to be on a highlight reel. Someone's going to be drinking. <laughs> um, so I think that was definitely something, like, going to training camp, um, obviously playing with with amazing people. So playing with, you know, Suba, Jewel Lloyd, um, playing and practicing against Brianna Stewart every day. I think that mm. kind of prepared me well for the seasons ahead. Um but obviously, I think just the skill level, um, the one-on-one game, probably the physicality a little bit. The WNBL is um, pretty physical, but I think just, um, you know, playing against taller players, obviously in my position, taller players, stronger players. So that was, yeah, there was kind of a lot to adjust to, but um, playing there for three years has definitely helped me. And in terms of, like, the insight into, like, you know, those bigger players like Brianna Stewart as well, like, you know, playing alongside those, what are some of the biggest like insights you obviously got to see with these like really high level athletes and like some things that you took away from like that you were able to say, wow, like this is what I need to implement to become at this level? Um, I think definitely the mental game. I think mm-hmm. I've definitely seen like obviously as athletes, you're going to have bad games, mm-hmm. um, you know, every now and then. Um, but I think it's definitely about how you bounce back and, um, how you value yourself or how you think you contributed to the game. Um, and I think I definitely saw that, like, um, you know, with Stewie, like she was able to, not that she has many bad games, but if she did, I think, you know, she just knew, like I said before, like she plays basketball, she knows what she's what she's capable of. And um, just going into each game, knowing that she was going to dominate and having that confidence in herself. And it was never arrogance. Um, mm. It never was arrogance. I think it's just, you know, I know I'm going to dominate. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I can do. And I think that's something that, you know, I'm still trying to get to, but it's something that I believe is so important, just being able to have that mental strength and that capability to just bounce back and know, um, you know, that you kind of deserve to be there and know that you're going to dominate. Dominate. Yeah. Yeah. It, I suppose that's a cool insight to see in terms of like, it sounds like, you know, 
from what you said in terms of she approaching games where you know she knows that she's going to do well she knows that you know it's just another game and uh, i know what i can do what am i what i'm capable of and i suppose you can take that into you know any step in life in terms of you know if myself or josh go into one of our sales calls like we know we're going to you know get a yes or no uh, this more, most likely a yes we could by based yeah. off of preparation so i suppose yeah. You know, with that, like in terms of, you can give us a bit more insight in terms of yourself. You mentioned that you're you're trying to get there at that stage. It's good to see that you're still, you know, in a transition over to that, like knowing your own capabilities and even switching over to Europe. What has that been like for yourself? Um, yeah, it's been tough. I think um, it's definitely been up and down. I think I, you know, obviously worked with, um, you know, sports psychs and reached out to coaches and teammates and everything and kind of just trying to gather, um, you know, their point of view and their perspective on a lot of things. Um, but I think, like I said, I'm trying to kind of drive it internally now. So it's it's been a bit up and down. I think I definitely have to just, I still have to like lean on those people and, mm. um, you know, ask for advice and, yeah, at the moment it's still a work in progress, but uh, I think the main thing is just that, you know, you continue working on it, you continue working on your weaknesses. Yeah, completely agree. So I think the mental side of things is more important than I think talent or the ability in anything, to be honest. I think even when anybody asks us, like, you know, how can I do this? Like, what do I need to know to get into this? I don't really, on this podcast, we don't really talk about the technicality stuff because I think the mental stuff is more important because you can have the skills and everything, but yeah. if you can't be able to have the mental side of it, like you could be the best best basketball player ever, but you know you feel bad after a bad game and you don't perform the next game, and right. you know it, it affects you as well. And in terms of like yourself, then in terms of like moving on to like being a high performance person again, like your your daily type of lifestyle, what does that look like as like a, a basketball professional basketball player? Like, what's your daily kind of routine look like? Um, it differs. So there's probably three different days that we have. So a rest day, a practice day and a game day. Um, so I'll go through the practice days. So here in Europe, we practice twice a day. So we do two a days. Um, so our sessions start at 9am. Um, mm -hmm. So we do like a lift for an hour. Um, so we're just in the weight room. Um, Everyone has different programs. Um, so kind of just individualized programs. And then for the next hour, we have um, a light shooting session. So it's just getting shots up or we have um, scripting. So like five on zero, just going through our offenses. And then I, we have a break in between. So I'll just, you know, come back to the apartment, um, grab some lunch, have a nap. And then we practice again from five. So film at five and then 5.30 to 7.30 practice. And that's the team practice, the basketball practice where we, you know, scrimmage, um, we shoot. It's more intensive. Um, so that's kind of what most days look like. And then game days are like a shoot around and the game, um, depending if we've traveled, we'll travel the day before the game. So, um, yeah, it kind of depends like last night, sorry. Yeah. Last night's game day was, um, we played at six in a, a city, a couple of hours away. So we mm -hmm. left at one forty-five on the bus, um, you know, rocked up, played and then drove back straight after the game. So. Yeah, game days depend on where you play. Right, it's, it's pretty cool to see. Like, it's been, I suppose, even with the practice days, it's pretty in, intense from what you've mentioned there and getting the, the nap in between. It's pretty, I suppose, I suppose pretty uh, needed in that regard. So I suppose it's it's cool to see in terms of the level and the difference between, you know, 
the way I suppose I only play like you know regional, not nothing nothing too serious. So the 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 level is clear clear in terms of you know the difference there. And I know in terms of like your perception on the women's game because I know that's like a big conversation at the moment in terms of where it's going, how it's, how it's evolving. How do you even see like in person it evolving in terms of you know you've seen the different perceptions in terms of in Australia, in Europe, you've obviously played the WNBA as well. So how have you seen the evolution of the WNBA and the women's game in general? I think I've been pretty lucky um, in that I've come at a time where, you know, change is um, quite evident. Like you can see that there is a change. You can see that people are driving um, the women's game. And it's not just women that are doing that, you know, it's men as well, which I think is very important. But it's different, like going to different countries and seeing the different progress or seeing the different, um, you know, disparities between the male and female um, league, respective leagues. Mm. Um, so I think here, sorry, in Europe, um, basketball is, you know, really celebrated, I think, in the men's and women's leagues. Um, you know, they get great crowds depending on what cities we go to. Um, here in Hungary, we get a, a great crowd. I know Turkey is very, very big. We played in Turkey the other week and their crowd is insane. <laughs> Turkish fans are always big in every sport. They are. <laughs> There's a game, they're at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's just exciting to see, like, even though they're not, um, the crowd isn't going for us, it's just so great that they showed up and they are supporting, supporting women's basketball. Um, I think it's funny, like, the WNBA is obviously the biggest league um, or the league that, you you know, you obviously want to play in. And I think that's probably the league that still has um, the longest way to go. I think just earning that respect from, you know, fans and um, kind of just having people invest in the game and realise that it is such a talented league. It is um, a league that, you know, attracts people. You kind of just have to take mm. a chance on it. Um, but like I said, I think I've, I've come in at a time where there is change um, there is progress being made. We have great, um, people leading the way in the players, um, you know, the president of the WNBA, um, just players that really want to make way. Um, and you know, they're going to be players that are going to be retired in a few years, but they want to see that change for generations to come. Yeah. I guess like I'm pretty passionate about that side of things as well. Like I think, you look at especially the WNBA, it's good that you point on that because it's meant to be like the biggest basketball league in the world. You know, when you look at the NBA as well and you look at like how much investment is in that and like how much it's just not really being put aside as well to the to the women's league as well. I think it's it's good to see, as you said, that we're in an age where change is basically on the verge. And like, you know, you being a Nike athlete as well, I think that's one thing that like, you know, Nike is a, is a standpoint of is like really you know, letting your voice be heard and, like, making changes in the game, not just playing and just, like, being around. So do you feel like being a Nike athlete as well, like, it's a little bit of a responsibility for you as well to be outspoken and try and change the game a little bit? Um, yes and no. I think, you know, obviously they're not expecting me to be someone that I'm not. Um, mm. You know, they are, um, you know, supporting me for the person that I am, which I really appreciate. But they do, you know, create those... Um, chances for you if you want to, you know, speak out or be involved in campaigns. And mm. I think that's really important. And that's probably good for me, like as an athlete, as a person and in terms of my personal development. So um, I think Nike do a great job of that. They, um, you know, continue to, to do that in, in support of their athletes. And I think especially female athletes, like there aren't a lot of, um, you know, Nike female basketball athletes, but I think 
um, you know, hopefully that changes in the future, but um, just to be able to be given a platform and, you know, have them support me throughout my whole career, um, hopefully is something that I'm really appreciative of. Yeah, cool. That's, that's a cool insight to see in terms of that. And I suppose even touching base or even t- taking a step back on, you know, getting sponsored by Nike and so it's been the face for, for the women's side of things as well from the WNBA. What was it like in terms of even Nike reaching out and saying, look, we want you as one of our sponsored athletes? Um, yeah, so I think it was uh, probably my first year out of the AAS was when they first reached out. Um, and I didn't have an agent, so honestly, I had no idea what I was doing at the time. <laughs> could, have, yeah. could have seen anything. <laughs> so it actually wasn't until a couple of years or a year and a bit after that, after that first encounter, after that first meeting where I did sign with them. Um, so going into the WNBA draft, I had an agent, obviously. Um, and so we kind of reconnected with Nike and kind of worked out a plan, um, you know, worked out a a deal with them and they were still, you know, supporting me, even though I didn't, you know, sign the initial deal straight away. So I think that was um, just kind of a a reflection of their character and them as an organization that they weren't going to, you know, rush me into anything. They were going to make sure everything was right before they, um, you know, supported me. And I think that was something that I really, um, you know, thought about even going forward now. So, you know, they've had my back no matter where I am, um, Australia, um, America, Europe here, you know, they send shoes, they send gear, um, they make sure I'm well looked after. So, um, yeah. That's good. It's good that you were Nike. That's like my childhood favorite brand as well. So if it was anybody else, it would have been a little bit more of a, of a, of a divide there. But I guess even like outside of like basketball, I guess, what are some of your other goals that like you're really interested in? Maybe even when you're finished playing basketball, even while you are playing basketball, what else are you kind of into? Um, I'm into, so I've been studying psychology, like as I, um, have been playing. So I think that's been, um, you know, kind of hard to balance at times just with being everywhere all at once. Um, but that's something that I'm, you know, definitely passionate about. And I definitely think it is important because basketball isn't forever. So I think just if I'm able to kind of have that plan, um, as I'm playing and then when I'm finish it's not you know a surprise like what am I going to do um so I you know have hopes to just continue psychology um after basketball um hopefully work um you know in a practice at the end of it but for now it's just kind of you know focusing on basketball sorry um kind of just giving back I know obviously I'm not in Australia as much as I would have liked to be because I do you know want to work with you know charities um you know helping hoops is one that I've worked with a couple of times so just kind of giving back and um obviously being I've said this before like you kind of are not thrown into but you become a role model even though it's Mm. even if it's something that you don't want to um be so I think just if I'm able to be that in Australia especially you know for um you know younger kids that's something that I you know want to do so if I'm in Australia for um, longer than a couple of weeks, I will, you know, definitely try and um, just invest my time into giving back to the game. Awesome. I think you touched on something there in terms of being a role model, like, you know, just being an athlete, you kind of get thrown into, I think even just being anybody that's online, like anybody that's like, yeah. once yeah. you're known online, doesn't matter if you're an athlete, an entrepreneur, a YouTuber, whatever it is, you're automatically put into this role. Like you've got to yeah. now be a role model, be the perfect person. 
Do you feel a bit of pressure on that? Like, what's that like where, like, do you still just feel like, I just want to just relax and just be normal? Or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think with me, I don't feel um, pressure as much because I am pretty private and I don't put, like, a lot online and mm. I'm not, like, super crazy. Like, I don't do risky things. So I think, <laughs> um, or so I say. Um, <laughs> She's on a podcast, that's all she can say. <laughs> Um, but no, I think like there is pressure like amongst, you know, athletes or, um, just people online to be, you know, these perfect people and you can't make a mistake. Like you're a role model for my kid. You're a role model for this person. Like, what are they going to say if you do this? But I think, Mm -hmm. you know, people have to remember, like, we're just regular people, like people online are regular people. They're going to make mistakes and it's not like they're choosing to be role models, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know they don't going to you know try and be um just great people and um do things the right way but i don't think that they can be blamed for um, some of the things that they do um if that makes sense yeah i think yeah. you're kind of touching a bit on the bit like a cancel culture nearly because like you see sometimes yeah. that, uh, certain like role models of people who don't want to be role models in the first place you know, yeah. saying some, i suppose out of the box stuff and then end up you know being a part of cancel culture yeah. and it's good to see that like, you know, your perspective on it and say, you know, these people are just regular people. And, um, you know, obviously you're, you're a regular person as well who is very talented at basketball um, and obviously doing very well. So like, it's cool to see like your perspective on, you know, role models and the fact that you're nearly like thrown into it. Yeah. Um, and then what was your, ex- I suppose, experience with that in terms of, you know, your perception on that? Um, I think I realize now that like, it's a good thing. I think it's nice when people have role models, um, especially with me. I, I don't think I really had, you know, a um, an African sports uh, person to look up to growing up in Australia um, mm. with any sport. So I think now, like, when I sit back and think, like, hey, like, you know, I'm um, playing in the Australian team. I've, I'm playing in the Olympics. And I think it's kind of nice that, you know, people – like me, like young African Australians like me can kind of see that and see that, you know, if they want to become a professional athlete, then, you know, there's someone that's already done it in front of them. Mm. Um, so I definitely do see like the positives of being a role model. And I know that you, you know, although you do make mistakes at times, you kind of do have to, you know, carry yourself in the right way. And I think, um, you know, shout out to my parents. I feel like I've been raised well enough to kind of just, you know, carry myself well and treat people the right way because I think it's it's important to be nice to people and it's important yeah. to be kind. Right. And that's something that I just really enjoy doing and I think, you know, everyone should be kind. So um, I think as a role model, it kind of comes naturally to me, even though I'm not the most, you know, outspoken, I'm, I'm not the loudest person in the room. Yeah. I think the aspects kind of fall under yeah. that. And I, I can side with that as well. I think you mentioned like not having like a, you know, an African, you know, role model to look on as well. I guess in the entrepreneurial side of things, you know, growing up in Ireland, you know, looking for like a young African Irish entrepreneur who's doing it really well. I kind of felt like, you know, that's where when I'm doing things now, I really want to kind of maybe be that role model for the other young yeah. guys who didn't have one as well. So I can completely understand how that is because it's really, really important because then they have somebody they can say, oh, this person actually done it. And that's yeah. the basis of why we do the, the podcast as well, which is mm-hmm. to be nice, to give back to people as well and and to just show people that, listen, hey, it is possible. You can make it out as well. You can be able to actually teach other people as well. 
Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really cool to hear that insight in terms of like you developing from a, a young athlete. You're still still young in the game, which is cool, but you still actually being a role model. And I guess in terms of just being young as well, I know we spoke about goals outside of basketball. You've kind of ticked off WNBA, you've ticked off Olympics, Europe, um, and you're still 23. What else do you have left in basketball that you really want to achieve? Like those big goals that maybe you've written down again. Um, I actually haven't written them down. Um, we should. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I definitely want to, like obviously winning an Olympic medal is something that um, you know, we weren't able to achieve at the last Olympics, but, you know, hopefully that's something that I'm able to achieve, um, that we're able to achieve as a team. I think that's a big one, but I think just continuing to get better as a player. I, I know, um, I'm big on just, you know, getting better each year. And obviously, like I said, people kind of seeing that potential and seeing that potential in myself too. So I know, you know, I, I have achieved, um, things that I have wanted to achieve, but I think there's so much more that I can um, do. And there's so much, so many more ways, sorry, I can contribute to the teams that I play on. If I get better as a player, if I train my mind right, I think that's a big thing, just being able to get mentally stronger as well as developing my on my basketball game. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool to see in terms of like, you might, you might have not written them down yet. You probably will after this podcast, but... Um... <laughs> I suppose even like having the aim of becoming mentally stronger and um, that's one thing that we always touch on in terms of even when we're you know hiring people onto our teams you know if somebody doesn't have an experience you can tell by their you know where they are mentally in terms of their mindset where they want to be going you can say look you might not have done anything but if you continue to have this mindset you'll be successful it just yeah. it's just a matter of when and I suppose with that you know I don't know if you know but um, one of our local teams East Cavan Eagles the way it works in Ireland you know, go from regional national to super league and they recently got promoted from regional to national league and oh. it's their first year in it yeah and I think they're 11 and 1 at the moment and they have a big game on the weekend against second so for like those girls who might be like listening to this um, in terms of having the perspective from yourself what what type of tips would you give them going into such a big game on the weekend that could decide the league um I think kind of just reflect on, you know, where they have been and where they are now. Like obviously moving up um, into a different league, um, you know, being 11 and one, that's already an achievement in itself. So I think knowing, you know, that they've done the work to get there, that, you know, like I said, that they've been here before. Um, they've, you know, got all the skills. They've got each other. I think playing in a team sport, that's really important to kind of lean on each other. Um, but kind of just take the pressure off themselves and, you know, it is a big game, but, you know, just, just treat it like any other game. Um, go in with the same routine if they have one. Um, just go in playing for, you know, the team first and then um, themselves. So, um, but that's really exciting. That's that's awesome. Yeah. It's always yeah. fun playing in big games. So. Yeah, I think they're going to be excited to hear this one. I think you know, even some of them still have, you know, hopes of actually making it to the WNBA. Like some of them have played play internationally for the country. It's, still, it's a very young team as well. So on that side of things as well, like some of them being, I think, still 17, 16 maybe, oh, on that wow. team playing yeah. for their country. What, what, what advice would you give them in terms of like maybe aiming for that goal and still being confident? I know we, we touched on that earlier, but what would you say um, to them to motivate them to keep going for that goal? Um, I think I'd say just continue to work on your, um, for lack of a better word, weak, weaknesses and the things that you aren't so... Um, you know, good at. I think that's something that I wish I had done at a younger age, just continue to work on, you know, ball handling, shooting, and not just 
be kind of like boxed into one thing. Um, so I think there's just always something that you can work on. There's always ways that you can get better, um, whether it's on the court, whether it's skill work, whether it's nutrition, whether it's the mental side of things, um, whether it's recovery. I think that's something that's, you know, super exciting about basketball, about sports, that there's always something that you can do. Um, I think also just really take uh, feedback and, you know, criticism and advice well. Um, it's always, most of the time it's constructive. And I think especially from the older play, players older than me and people that have more experience with me, I'm always listening because they've been in different situations. They've been here before. Um, so I think just really appreciate that and realize that, you know, they don't always have to give you advice, but they're only trying to help you and make you better. So just really take that um, on board. Yeah, like, I think it's really cool to see, like, what it sounds like from what, everything that you said, you know, in terms of, you know, taking in the advice of those who are still, you know, at a level above yourself, nearly like always being a student mm -hmm. in, in that regard. So is, is that like the approach that you've taken in over the past couple of years in terms of, you know, if somebody's at a level above me, what can I learn from this person? What can I take in? What type of questions can I ask that can benefit me in the future? Yeah, for sure. I think um, I've always been someone that kind of loves learning and, um, like I said, I think I still have so much to work on and um, areas that I can grow in. So I think when someone takes the time to kind of coach me on that or, you know, tell me like, hey, as you try this or do this or this is where you can get better, I think I just, I'm just really grateful for them kind of just taking a second, five seconds, 10 seconds out of their day to address me and say that because they don't have to do that. Um, so I think I'm always grateful for criticism, no matter what it is. Um, most of the time it is positive. Um, I mean, sorry, most of the time it is constructive, but <laughs> not positive, definitely not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm always just appreciative of it. And I just love, um, you know, hearing new ways to learn and new ways to do things. Yeah, that, that's a great characteristic. I think is being able to take criticism in a way is like looking as like just a chance to become even better and just to kind of like wrap things up that brings us on to like the last question that we usually ask everybody which is like what characteristic do you think help you the most your own trait help you the most to become as successful as where you are today hmm that is a good question take a second everyone usually takes a yeah. few seconds um, be, be self-critical as well <laughs> um hmm I think my ability to listen, um, I think, like I said, like I'm not always, I'm a pretty shy person, so I'm not always talking, but um, no matter what room I'm in, I'm, go I'm going to listen. So I think that definitely helped me in, um, you know, moving through new environments because um, I've been in a lot of new environments and different teams, different clubs, um, just countries even. So I think just kind of listening, learning the ropes, and then being able to kind of adapt um, and adjust straight away is something that has helped me um, in my career. And, um, yeah, I like listening too. I'm more of a listener, so. I yeah. like that. That's, yeah. a, that's like a really that cool well. one. That's one I haven't really. We haven't heard that one before, actually, yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> it's like it's cool to see, like, active, like a lot of people here are here, but don't actually listen to what people are, are trying yeah. to tell them. So it's cool yeah. that, like, you, you pick it up and you implement it as well. Um, but I think like that's a great way to, I suppose, wrap up the podcast and, you know, finish up with the with the recording today. But it's been very good in terms of seeing your insight in terms of where you are right now, your goals, you know, everything that you've achieved. So in our guys, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your thoughts, even 
and where you're at right now and as even the tips for the local team and uh, we really appreciate it yeah no. thanks very much Ezzy, and thanks very much guys for listening into this episode and yeah check Ezzy out online and, and support her as she gets through on her games as well you probably have a few new fans as well and we'll see you guys in the next episode <laughs>